1, I'm not sure what I said previously, but it's 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want you to pay attention to the words here of this verses. Verse 3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been given what we need for godliness and for life through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So I want you to know today that you have a call on your life to godliness, to glory, and virtue. You see that? Verse number four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So again, verse four, we have promises. We have great and precious promises so that we could be a partaker of this divine nature. But, he said, we have escaped. You see it there, verse 4? We have escaped the corruption that is in the world. Amen. There are promises that are to the believer, to the child of God, to those who have escaped the corruption that is in the world. Amen. So I want to preach this morning for a few minutes about living in the land of promise. Living, living, somebody say living. We are living in the land of promise. We're not living in the land of corruption. We're not living in the land of the world. We're living in the land of promise. Amen. God bless you. If you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Do you know what makes the devil mad? Or do you know what causes the devil to have a bad day? It's whenever you and I, when people like us, when we walk in the promises of God. Let me say that again. Do you know what makes the devil mad? You know what upsets the devil? It's when people like you and me, we walk and we live in God's promises. But do you know what what makes the devil happy? Do you know what pleases the devil? It's whenever we neglect the promises of God. It's whenever we choose the corruption that is in the world and we neglect the promises of God. And so there is a truth here from this passage of Scripture from the word of the Lord this morning, that I feel like that it's important for every one of us to grasp. And here's the truth. Here's the truth from the word of the Lord. The exceeding great and precious promises of God cannot be found in the corruption of the world. Rather, the promises of God are only experienced through a life of godliness, glory, and virtue. That's where the promises of God come. They come through godliness through glory, and through virtue. There is a direct correlation in where we are at and whether or not we are experiencing the promises of God. There is a connection between where we are at and whether or not we are living in the promises of God. God told a man by the name of Abraham, Abraham, you have to get out of Ur. You can't stay in Mesopotamia. You can't stay in the land of your nativity. If you're going to be blessed, he said, I want you to come out of Ur and everywhere you place your foot, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. See, Abraham had to leave Ur for God to bless him and for him to be a blessing. God had to bring his people out of Egypt so he could lead them to the promised land. 
God's promises were not in Egypt. God's promises were in Canaan. So in order for them to know the blessings of the Lord, they had to go to Canaan. They had to go to the promised land. So in order for us today to experience the marvelous light, we have to get out of darkness. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. In order for us to experience the relationship with the Lord that He desires to have with us. We have to come out of sin. We have to live separated. We have to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's what Paul said. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There's relationship. There's relationship. The Lord's relationship is not found when we are connected to our past, when we are connected to the world. The relationship with the Lord is, is, happens and we experience that when we come out from that and we walk in relationship with the Lord. And He said, I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Can you think of any better place to be in this life than a child of God? Can you think of any better relationship to have than to have a relationship with the Lord? He says, if you want that blessing, you have to come out from the world. You have to come out from your past. And so he said, 7 and 1 of 2 Corinthians, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So the point is, is that until a person leaves their sin behind, they forfeit the blessings that could have been. They give up the blessings, the exceeding great and precious promises that God has for them if they refuse to leave behind what they were. And so I've come to tell us this morning, that God desires for every one of us to live in the land of promises. He desires for us to live in promises, not in the corruption. You need to know that God has exceeding, great, and precious promises for every person that would become a partaker of this divine nature. For every person that would leave behind the corruption of the world through lust. I'm going to tell you this morning that God's best, God's best promises have been reserved for those that would choose to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. God's best promises are not to carnal people. God's best promises have been set aside for those that have been called to virtue, to glory, and to godliness. (laughs) The best that God has to offer is found living in this land, in this territory of the promises of God. God desires for us to dwell in promise. In the land of promises. Approximately 430 years the Israelites lived in the land of Egypt. 
they became slaves and served the Egyptians with hard rigor. But God reached down into the land of Egypt and He brought His people out of Egypt. Jeremiah 32 and verse 21. The prophet recorded this words, And hast brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs, with wonders, with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm and with great terror. I want you to know God did a miracle when He delivered two, three, four million people, whatever it was, out of Egypt and He brought them out with His strong arm. Verse 22, And He said, He has given them this land which thou didst swear to the fa- their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. God wants you to live blessed. God wants you to live in His promises. He doesn't want you to live below His blessings. This is what Moses wrote in the final book that he recorded, Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord instructed Moses to communicate to the people of Israel. In verse number 10, he said, It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Now get this. To give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. And houses, verse 11, full of all good things, which thou fillest not. And wells digged, which thou diggest not. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full. Do you, do you, do you see what's transpiring here as God is bringing His people out of slavery. He is bringing them out of the corruption of Egypt and He is transporting them into the land of Canaan where there will be beautiful cities that they will inhabit, where they will live in houses that they didn't build full of the good things, where they will eat from vineyards and olive trees that they didn't plant. God was taking them from slavery to blessing. From their corruption to promises. It was the promised land. And so in order for them to go to the promised land, in order for them to go to the promised land, they had to leave Egypt. Because God knew they couldn't be in two places at the same time. They couldn't be in His promised land and dwell in Egypt at the same time. So something had to happen. They had to get out of Egypt so that they could go to this property. If you pull it up on a map, there's about 450 miles between this place and this place. And my arms aren't long enough to do that. But if you're going to get from here to here by car, it's going to take you a long time to drive. It's 450 miles. And God knew that the promises were here. God knew that the cities were here that the houses were here, that the vineyards were here, that the promises were here. And as long as they desired to stay here, they were going to miss out on what was here. So they had to leave one place to get to the next place, 450 miles away. But do you know what happened between here and here when God brought them out? You know what what happened in in those people as they're traveling from this place to this place? Acts 7 and 39 tells us, it says that in their hearts, they turned back 
to Egypt. In their hearts. You see it on the screen up there? So they're traveling from Egypt and God's taking them to the promised land. But in their hearts, they weren't, they weren't physically here. They were somewhere in between these two places. But in their hearts, they began to turn back to Egypt. And you know what happened? Maybe, maybe you know what happened. When their hearts began to turn back to Egypt, they said, let's get this golden calf. And they began to mold a golden calf. And when, and when Moses comes down off Mount Sinai and he looks down and he sees the debauchery and the immorality and the orgy of the people as they're dancing around that golden calf and they're celebrating this golden calf, Moses takes the Ten Commandments and he throws them down and shatters them. Because in their heart, they're back there. They had turned back to Egypt. Maybe you know what happened to them because a whole generation of Israelites never made it here. A whole, think about that. If it was two million people, three million, I don't know how many people it was. But a whole generation of Israelites never made it here. They died in the wilderness because of their disobedience and their unbelief. They never made it to the promises of land. But you need to know this morning, God wants you to dwell in promises. And not in Egypt. Because the same scenario that happened to the people of Israel repeats itself in 2020. When God's people are delivered, when people are delivered out of the world, when God saves our souls, when somebody repents of their sins and they come out of the world, they are delivered, they repent of their sins. They are washed in the waters of baptism. Their sins are washed away. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. They come out of the world. And God wants them now to live in His promises. This is not the will of God. Are you hearing me this morning? This is not the will of God. This is the will of God. God wants us to live in promises. And we will not live in the promises of God. And we will not experience all that the Lord has for us as long as we're trying to live here. There's miles apart between these two places. And God knows that we can't be in two places at the same time. So He says, if you want this, then you have to come out of this. If you want to be a part of this, then you have to separate yourself from this. This is where the exceeding great, precious promises of God abide. This is why John wrote this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John wrote it this way. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you know that you cannot love the world and love the Father at the same time? You can't love this and have a walk with Him at the same time? He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Verse 16. Thank you. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17. And the world passes away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You can't love this 
and experience eternal life. That was the indictment of Demas when Paul said, Demas has forsaken me because he loved this present world. He he said this is what he went after. He forgot about the promises of God. He forgot about victory. He forgot about joy. He forgot about blessing and hope and joy and the peace of God because he loved this. So he says, love not the world. Don't love the things of the world. You can't be in the love of the world and the love of God at the same time. Brother Victor Jackson preached at the 2017 North American Youth Congress. He preached a message, a call to greatness. Powerful message. You can go watch it if you want today. But he talked about Abraham. Abraham had to leave Ur. He talked about Jacob and how God used Jacob. He he touched the hollow of his thigh and got him out of balance so he could use him for something great to bless the nations. He had to do a work so that he could walk in the promises of God. But Brother Jackson, he, he talked about his own call. He talked about how God had called him to be a preacher. He came into the church as a teenager or, or a young adult. He came into the church and, and he got the Holy Ghost. And, and he was living for the Lord, trying to live for the Lord. And he went to a North American Youth Congress. And, and in that Youth Congress, not the one he's preaching at, but one he had gone to previously, he said God called him to preach. And he knew God had reached him. God had spoken to him. But he was playing basketball. He was playing college basketball. And he talked about it in that message. You can go back and listen to it if you want. But he said he struggled with modesty. He struggled with, with that sport. He struggled with that. He was trying, trying to play basketball. But he knew he had a call of God on his life. And he talked about how that was. And he started getting some pushback. And he started felt like he was facing some discrimination during that time. And because he knew something. He knew something. Brother Jackson knew something. He said, he knew I cannot continue to abide in that environment and experience this. And he said, at some point I had to make up my mind. At some point I had to make the decision that I'm going to leave this behind so I can do something great for God. He knew that struggle, that conviction that was upon him. He battled with it because he had a call of God, a call to do something great. Doing a work for God will always be greater than any of this stuff. Come on, somebody. Doing a work for God will always be greater than this stuff here. God wants us to live in His promises. And His promises are not found in this. Brother Jackson, he made the decision and he gave up his sports. And he said, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do something greater. I'm going to invest in eternal things. I'm going to do something for the Lord. And he laid it all aside to go do a work for God because he wanted to live in promises. Last summer, Brother Jackson was at our youth camp. He preached at our youth camp. He's impacting hundreds of lives. He's not worried about a ball. He's impacting eternity. He's doing something important. And then many of you no doubt have seen what he did in in Minneapolis a few months ago after the death of George Floyd. He went into the city of Minneapolis and he stood on the streets and he began to preach the gospel to the the people in the city of that hurting city after, after all of that thing, all that was going on. He's standing in Minneapolis and he's preaching the gospel. You talk about something great. That's great. This is not great. 
He's doing, next summer, if the Lord tarries, Brother Jackson's scheduled to preach at the North American Youth Congress in Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know, 30,000 people might be there. Who knows how many people are going to show up. He said, you know what, I had to lay some things down if I'm going to live in the promises of God. He said, this is corruption. You know what I think? I think it's a tragedy that so many apostolic people are trading greatness and the promises of God for what they can get out of this world. I think it's a tragedy. I think it's sad when apostolic people start believing they can get more out of this than they can get out of this. They are deceived. They are mistaken to think that that this is what it's about. But I'm telling you, God wants us to live in the land of promises. That's what Peter is telling us here. That's what he is telling us, that this divine power, this divine nature, these exceeding great and precious promises, we cannot partake of them in the corruption that is in the world through lust. Sometimes people want acceptance. And sometimes people want their peers to accept them. Sometimes people think it's a paycheck. Sometimes people think it's about convenience. But they're deceived if they think that the acceptance of the world and the paychecks of the world and the convenience of the world is greater than the promises of God. There is no comparison between those two. I'm going to tell you what happened to me this week. Thursday night, I went to bed pretty early. I was tired, so I went to bed. And I I had a dream, started dreaming in the night. And in my dream, I was... I was being um, tied up, that there were cords and wraps that, uh, ropes that were being wrapped around me, and, and I was fighting and struggling to get those cords and those ropes off of me, and, and I don't know how, how much I was moving around, but it woke up my wife, and, and she, she put her arm over, or put her hand on my arm, and she woke me up, and I said, was I dreaming? And she said, yeah, but that dream stayed with me. Dream stayed with me. Friday morning, I got up and I came to the church and I began to pray on Friday morning. And I began to walk around this sanctuary this morning. I was praying for our church family. I was praying for you. Many of you, most everyone here this morning, I prayed and I said your name. I called your name and I began to intercede and I began to call upon the Lord. And as I was praying for the people, as I was praying for our saints and I was praying for each one of us, that dream came back to me of that that rope and that cord that was tangling us. And it was binding us and, 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 and holding us back. And, and, and I was dreaming and it, it, it began to make sense and the application began to be clear in my mind of what was happening and what was going on. And it's that, it's that the Lord was trying to impress upon my spirit that we're entangling ourselves in the world. You need to hear your pastor this morning. That we cannot get wrapped up and entangled in this world if we want a move of God. If we want the promises of God. That we're going to have to at some point lay some things down so that we can live victoriously. And there's conviction here. There's a call of God here. There's a call of God on some people's lives. But they're entangled. That's why Paul said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. 
stand fast in the liberty. You want the blessings of the Lord. You've got to break out of this stuff. You've got to repent. You've got to lay some things aside. Because the enemy of our soul, you don't, you don't be deceived this morning. The enemy of your soul is doing his best to wrap people up in this world and tie them to this old world so that when the Lord comes, when the rapture takes place, they're going to miss out on all of the promises and blessings of the Lord. There is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm going to tell you, you are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are a, a chosen generation. You have been called out to walk in a glorious life of glory and virtue and godliness. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Folks, this is going to pass away. Your cars, your houses, your jobs, everything that's tied to this old world, it's, it's going to pass away. It's not going to last. The greatest blessings are eternal things. They're in the things of God. Let that sink in this morning. It's about eternity. It's about the exceeding great and precious promises of God. But I've made up my mind this morning. I'm going to live in the land of promise. I'm not going to tie myself to this world. I'm not, I'm not worried about what the world has to offer. I'm going all in for God. And I'm going to give my all to the Lord. I'm going to love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, and with all of my strength. That is the only way to live for God. It's not to live this half-hearted, halfway walk with the Lord. That is a life of failure. You can't live for God halfway. You have to go all in. But I'm going to tell you, when you go all in... It's joy. You know who's frustrated today? You know who's frustrated? It's people that are kind of teetering on the edge. Do I try to, am I going to, can I live for God or do I live for the world? They're frustrated. They don't even know if they can lift their hands when they come to the house of the Lord. There's no freedom. But the songwriter said it well. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. A lot of people are trying to do life without God. or They're striving to do God partial or halfway. They're caught in the wilderness. They're somewhere between Egypt and the promised land. But God doesn't want you halfway. God wants every part of you this morning. He wants you to experience the greatest and the precious promises of the Lord. You say, well, preacher... You've been preaching about these promises. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a God that will fight for you. That will go before you. I'm talking about a God that when you walk through the waters, you're not going to be drowned. And when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. I'm talking about that kind of a God. I'm talking about a God that I know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, who are called according to His purpose. I'm talking about a God that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and His staff are going to comfort me. I'm talking about a God who's going to build a table in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to talk about a God who's going to give me victory in my spirit and my soul. I'm talking about a God who has set me free. 
I'm talking about the Lord who has sent His angels and they encamp round about us. I'm talking about a a God whose mercies are new every morning. It's living for God. It's living for the Lord. He has forgiven me. He has lifted me. He's put joy in my heart. And He's put me in the church. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises of God are in Him, yea and amen. They do not fail. We're standing today on His promises. We are standing on the promises of God. We're not caught up in the corruption of the world, but we are standing on the promises of God. Stand with me, please. You can build your life if you want to. You can build your life on the lies of the devil, but that's exactly what they are. They are lies. Or you can build your life on the promises of God. I believe there's a group of people here this morning, right here in Shakota, Oklahoma. I believe there's a group of people that are saying, we want to live in promises. I believe there's some young people. I believe there's some men and women. I believe there's some family that says, families that say, we want the promises of God. Praise the Lord. Would you join us around the altar this morning? And let's find a place to pray for a few minutes. We want God to do great things in our life. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get entangled in this world. I'm not going to get caught up in the things of this life. But I'm stepping. I'm living in the promises of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. It's only in the Lord that we find hope. It's only in the Lord that we will find grace and mercy. It is in His promises today. But we're going to have to make up our mind that we're going to leave some things behind. That we're going to walk away from some things and we're going to repent of some things. And we're going to put our trust and our hope in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is victory here today. There is hope here today. Lay it aside. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Trust God. Trust His Word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we believe Your Word. We believe Your promises today. Come on, let's reach for a few minutes here. Let's pray together as a church body. If there's somebody near you that needs prayer, why don't you pray with somebody if you're comfortable doing so. But let's reach for God for a few minutes here this morning. God's bringing us out. God's bringing victory to homes and lives and families. Hallelujah, hallelujah. you got to trust God. you got to trust His Word. you got to trust what He's telling you. You gotta believe him. You gotta believe what the Lord is speaking into your spirit right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, let it be, I pray. Let victory, oh God. Let victory come into our lives. Let the promises of the Lord be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The voice of the Father inviting you to walk on the water, risk it all, answer the call, and enter in. Now we stand on every promise, we're not afraid. Our faith goes before us when we believe we're going to see the supernatural. We're going to see what we're praying for. We believe.
every single word stronger than we've ever been standing on his promises we're gonna see come on let's reach let's pray let's see god let's see god hallelujah there's more for us there's more for you hallelujah god it's in you it's in you lord praise god praise god we're gonna see what we're praying for we believe every single word stronger than we've ever been standing on his promises we're gonna see the impossible we release the supernatural stronger than